0: Hey, I'm Pastor Dave Ferguson. Welcome to Crosswalk Chattanooga's Weekend Teaching Podcast. We're glad you're with us. As we continue our series, the current teaching series, Elemental Season 2, yes, if you haven't been here or involved prior to this, yes, Season 2, it does correctly imply there was a Season 1, and during Season 1, we really kind of took a look at... God's permission that we take things apart and examine them and question even, doubt even. He's not put off. He is not so fragile as to see our questions or our doubts as relational deal breakers. The big question is, where do we take those doubts to? And we take them to him. As we've been Kind of working our way through reconstruction in this second season, we've been considering what are the major, the, the building blocks we really need to have as a part of our faith. There are things that we might have grown attached to that aren't quite so, so big a deal, but there are others that, that we really can't move about in faith without possibly. And one of them, we've, we've talked about it. First... Last, beginning, end, and everything in between. There is not a word of scripture that isn't pointing to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The foundation, the fundamental secret sauce of the whole building of our faith. But now we're erecting different walls, deciding on some things that might be important. I'd like to recommend to you one today. And it is... It is a subject of freedom. I've spent some time as a chaplain in high school. It's one of my favorite times of year, a tricky time of year, actually, would be kind of that March through May period of time with seniors in high school. And the challenging part is, first of all, and some of you will take this personally. I hope you don't. If you are a new freshman in college and you think back to it, let's just be honest about it. We could see brain cells dripping from your ears uh, during those three months. It was, it, you, you were nearly unteachable and uh, you are ready to graduate, ready to get going with life. And when I would talk with seniors, often asking them what they're looking forward to most, one or another, or maybe even all of them, it would boil down to a response that sounded a little like this, I can't wait to be free. So you go to college and uh, notice that the reading you're supposed to do is like tripled or quadrupled, and now it starts to feel like this is a career situation. Don't worry, you'll graduate from that and you'll you'll start to realize because you will be hoping, oh, I can't wait to be free, free from classes and in the bondage of the workplace. (laughs) Uh, Don't go too fast that you cannot actually love where you are in the moment that you are in. But I actually want to say to our seniors, while we older folks can tend to make fun of stuff like that, you are only giving voice to what we all feel. I want to be free. I want to get to decide for myself. And frankly, there is a reputation around Christianity and God and following God that suggests that you're most free if you walk away from him. That God actually has these expectations and there are these rules. And some of us grew up in families of faith that had very specific rules that didn't always even make sense to us. Some of us went to boarding schools, and there were rules about whether you could wear jeans or whether you could wear sandals that were leather versus sandals that were rubber at certain times. Yeah, it's all wild. And, and we just want to be free. I want to suggest to you, I'm just going to make a bold claim here, that in fact, you will never be free without Jesus. Jesus like to test that claim. Now, look, in this kind of a group, in this kind of a room, there are so many of us and we come from a wide range of journeys, walks in our spiritual journey. Some of us would actually reject the idea that we are a spiritual person. But fine, fair enough, except you are. Because you are here and you can try not to listen to God, but he's speaking. Some of us, though, have not Made any kind of claim about our walk with him. Some of us have kept spirituality at arm's length. Others of us are guests here. We're looking for a family of faith. We're curious. We came with a friend and we don't know too much about what Crosswalk is about. We're kind of just observing, trying to decide. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. Others of us, we grew up, I grew up in a family of faith, the Seventh day Adventist Church. And we're going to dig around in something in, in, in the next couple of minutes um, that I, I think is going to at times possibly feel a little bit like, well, does anybody remember getting on a roller coaster at a time when you weren't so sure that was a great idea? And the bar lowers, and they come over and they test it, and it's as if to say, nope, you're, you're locked in, you're going to die, so let's go to the next. And then you round the corner, because you're just sitting there for a while, then you round the corner, it's like, oh, okay. I think this will be okay. And then it starts. Click, 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 click. <laughs> That's like a, the timer on a bomb going off. Uh, I apologize. Some of what we do today is going to feel a little bit like that. You, you, some of what we talk about, you might hear the clicking. Click, 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 click. What have I, what have I done? Please stay on for the whole ride. Wait till we get back around. <laughs> And let's see where we land there. Now, uh, by the way, I have probably some hidden talents. And uh, this, this week, I decided to explore um, and express myself a little bit. Uh, we, we care a lot about coffee and craft espresso lattes. And i uh, would just be honest about this. People talk about it like it's hard. <laughs> so I just thought I'd prove a point and, uh, and make one myself. Yeah. So I'm going to introduce to you the Oppenheimer. The Oppenheimer Latte. If you don't mind, just take a quick little look. So the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna pull a shot. I don't even understand that language, but I think we first start with grinding some, we're gonna grind some, uh, is that, is that, nah, I don't know how much we should do, but that seems like plenty. We'll pretend, we'll pretend we're weighing it for a second. 167 pounds, so that's good. to the Oppenheimer is the flavor profile that comes from the additive, the flavor. I don't know what I'm talking about, but here's what we're gonna do. Um, I I like these flavors. I'm gonna start with a base of red wine vinegar, if you don't mind. So we're gonna throw some of that in. I clearly don't work with this very often, so that's just a pull off. And... We're gonna add then a little bit of, of mustard. Yeah. This is this is umami, which I understand is not salty, it's not sweet, it's its own thing. And so we're just going to we're going to dump some ooh, okay. Sure, why not? That'll be this, this is a little bit of a breakfast food, I think, but 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 we always have to have a little something sweet in there. Here's some vanilla. That could be better than Nestle's Quick. Of course, it's all about the whisking is what I understand. So we have our, our we have our shot. We think it's okay. So there's that. And then this is our Oppenheimer flavoring. I think if you re, if you remember, we have we have our red wine vinegar, the mustard, the vanilla, some umami, which I'm never clear on, and the uh, and the. So we're just gonna we're just gonna douse that good. So now. Uh, now we're ready for the pour, for the, I think it's called the pour, and so what we have for this is buttermilk, I don't know, huh, August 5, hope, this is actually curdled, uh, buttermilk, I brought it over in my car, and it was in there for a while, and we were gonna steam it, but I'm not sure if the curdling in the steamer isn't gonna ruin something, so, some of the, curdled oh oh those are lumps now it's just about topping it off and we'll do that with i think paprika is a lovely um you know i like it because it just kind of dances on the surface of the uh, curdled buttermilk and then what would breakfast be without a little bit of i'm going with bacon bits the oppenheimer latte you want to get yours right away. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I present to you the Oppenheimer, the Oppenheimer Latte, which... Is, uh, hold on, I'm not terribly thirsty right now. Um, don't know what... So anyway, we're going to put that over there. So uh, here's the thing. Most all of us understand, we know well, we accept that God has called us not only to receive salvation, but to be his body on this planet. He says, come to the cross, but take up a cross and follow me. Share the good news of salvation. How selfish is it of me to receive forgiveness, receive grace, receive salvation, have this amazing thing, and then not share that with others. So we understand that, we get that. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily have an easy time deciding I'm gonna share. Sometimes I, I feel a little weird when people ask me what I do. <laughs> well, I'm, I, am, I, am, I, I lead an organization. I'm a a pastor. Oh, really? Let's talk about that for a minute. Some people actually take a full step back. Now, here's the thing. Over time, and of course, throughout Scripture, not only is there the general call to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to share it as his body, but on occasion, with some regularity, God picks out somebody like Paul and says, I want you to go and take it to a whole new group of people. I want you to share over here a special message, something that's important and unique. And So here's the thing. For those of you that are not historically a part of the family of faith labeled Seventh-day Adventism, you might not know about this, but... The Seventh-day Adventist church historically has had a sense that we have been asked to share something fairly unique. That, That as we studied the Bible, that there was a message that maybe we should be sharing with other people. And, in fact, you would find this years and years and years ago characterized on a sign of a Seventh-day Adventist church. There would be a globe and there would be three angels that would be swirling around it. It's because in the book of Revelation, there are these three angels. Now, John, the revelator, he writes this. He starts by saying, look, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, on it goes. And in the 14th chapter, there are these three angels. And, by the way, the word angel can also mean messenger in Greek. And so there are these messages that ought to be shared. So, so if you may not you may not have realized it, but if you're a part of this family of faith historically, and you could decide whether that actually, as we go through deconstruction, if this is even a part of what you really put in the building of faith that you have. But, but there is a we've historically understood there is a special message. Maybe God at a specific time would call upon us to say maybe share it. And maybe you've been struggling to share even the good news of the gospel. But have you have you? <sighs> How, how by just by a simple raise of hand, how many of you have found yourself just in conversation working in some Revelation 14? Just kinda just, you know, you're you're casually. Maybe it's a maybe it's a bridal shower and people are just hanging out and and, and it's gone gone a little bit past all the organized portions and you just thought, you know what, by the way? <laughs> I thought I just mentioned. Have, have have, again, by raise of hand, I'm having trouble. See, oh, I see somebody way at the back. Yeah. I mean, think about it. So, uh, let's gear up. Let's brace for this. Some of you are hearing, click, 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 click. <laughs> Where's this ride going? <laughs> Wait for it. So, there you are. Maybe 4th of July. You're with your family. You're, you're doing a cookout. And, uh, not quite two, any, all right? And, uh, Next, next summer as you're, as you're going along. And over the back fence, there's the neighbors. They're also having a cookout back there. Maybe you guys have discussed whether the neighborhood's doing fireworks or you're all going to fireworks. What, what is it that's happening? And, and they're having a barbecue, and boy, it smells good. Maybe they're going a little extra done. I don't know. But so you, you consider maybe today. I'll wander over to the back fence. <clears throat> hey, Roger. Come here. Something I've been thinking to to just share with you. Uh, How many, by the way, even know what the third angel's message of Revelation is? I don't blame you if you don't. But why don't we just check in on it, and then we'll, because maybe some of you have been sharing this and you don't even realize. Let's check. Take a look at Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. I saw, then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. And he said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. I just proclaim to you the gospel. And and I I find myself kind of liking that angel. This is a good one. But this, that's the first one. So this, the second one, which I'm just going to be honest with you, we're going to read this and just go quickly on, because it's a little confusing. A second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which, is, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her, what? So, okay, thank goodness that's not, that. so let's get to the third angel. This is you, this is me. So there we are. There we are at the back fence, and, and we've, we've called Roger over, and hey, uh, Roger, so, <clears throat> Something I just was thinking to share, and in fact, your barbecue made me kind of recall this. Uh, so, and then here you go. Ready? So, you're all braced. A third angel said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on the forehead or on the hand, click, 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 what? Well, he too will drink of the wine of God's fury which has been poured out full strength into the cup of his wrath. Maybe a little gravel in the voice gets it convincingly across to Roger. Have you done this? He will be tormented with burning sulfur. You can now see, Roger, why I was thinking of this while you were doing your. In the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There is no rest day or night. And those who worship the beast in his image, or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. Happy fourth, Roger. Okay, again, and how many of you have done it? You just decided, okay, this, I feel like this is the moment. It's a festive time. And I think I'm going to... Wait a minute. And Look, first of all, you can dispute whether God has asked anyone to share this message. You can dispute whether he's asked our faith community or you in particular to share this idea with somebody. I want to I want to look at this because, fascinatingly, I believe that when we take a look at any characteristic of God fairly, we will see amazing, attractive character. So is it possible that there's something else going on here than just a, whoa, just a. I had to gather myself. Than just a fear tactic on the part of God. Is there something going on that's bigger than this? Sorry, I am thirsty. I'm just gonna. I gotta. I gotta get myself together for that. So. Ah, that's good. One more. Ah, thank you, thank you. I just knew I needed to brace myself a little. Anyway. Maybe maybe we would gain some ground here by just taking a look at some of the conversation around the idea of wrath. Because frankly, that seems like the very worst possible thing we could talk about with regard to God. But, but maybe there's something about it that changes the whole conversation. Let's just check it out. So here, Romans chapter 1. I love this verse. Paul writes it this way. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew and then for the Gentiles. He is so incredibly gracious, grace-filled. He paid the price. He, He counted the cost and paid it anyway. And it comes to you. He is here today with forgiveness and grace. And it doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter if you're from California. Doesn't, no, I don't. He has power and the will to save. Yeah. I get it, Paul. Why you'd bring that up. The next verse starts this way. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed. That's a connective, there's a connective tissue between those two verses. Paul is saying, "Hey, because of what I'm saying here in the 17th verse, that's why I am so proud of the gospel. For in it God shows he has integrity." He shows up as righteous. It's not just that he saves you, but he does it in a way, amazingly, that is righteous. And by the way, some people who would, if they could, know fully who you are, who I am, down deep where nobody else gets to look, would probably say, wait a minute, you're saving that guy? You're saving her? I don't get you how you, this does not seem right. And Paul says, no, no, no. If we peer in close, the closer we look, the more authentically Righteous God actually is. So I'm not ashamed because. Because he not only saves, he does so in this amazing way. And then he starts the next verse with that same connective word here translated for. It's missing in the New international version that we're going to look at in a second. But you could start it this way again. For, because. I'm not ashamed because. He shows his righteousness. And the way he shows his righteousness Get a load of this. Paul says, for the wrath of God is being revealed. Okay, hold on. What? What? what, what? Hey. It's a little bit like saying, look. Uh, this person is awesome. They're great. They're a great person. Not just because they love well when the, when the sun shines. But you really want to get a load of who this character is? watch when it rains and it pours and when disappointment comes in and when tragedy hits and when work is way too hard and on and on and on it goes look at him then and that the fact that he is who he said he would be when all of that's going on or maybe when no one he thinks is looking that's kind of what paul is saying look when nobody else thought that, you know when 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 we where we could not even peer into. You look into there, God invites us there, and if you take a good, strong, hard look at who he is, look at him at his worst, and what you're going to find out is it's awesome. It is the proof that he's righteous. It is the compelling piece of the gospel. Whoa, okay, wait, okay, so this is interesting. We've now rounded a corner and maybe flipped upside down in our, in our ride a little bit. We're getting a little bit used to it, and woo! All right, where are we headed here? At the end of this first chapter then, Paul describes three situations in which individuals decide to turn their back on God. And this is all in the flow of saying, I'm, I, I'm so proud of the gospel because of God's righteousness as he demonstrates what his wrath looks like. And so here's a situation, here's another situation. Oh, hey, here's a third situation where there's trouble, where there's difficulty, and where there's a problem. And watch what he does. He does. And three times over, he says it the same way. Here's what God did. So, they reject God and he gave them up. They turn from God. Some of our versions would say he gave them over or he let them go. I'm just gonna suggest to you that in the heart of every human being, there is the desire to know I get to live my life because I choose it. I am free. And what Paul is saying here is that God not only loves you so much, he would create a way to save you. But having paid the price, for your eternal life, he would even let you reject it. Parents, let me ask you a question. Of course, we, we grow into our parenting with little ones that have to be held and carried and fed and changed and nothing—they can't do anything on their own—and then they start to grow up, and so we start putting plastic things into electric sockets, and we do all sorts. We remove glass from certain surfaces, and we we do all sorts of things to protect them. And then they get they get to those teenage years, and they're wandering around. This is our perspective. Sorry, teens—they're wandering around like they know what they're doing, and we don't think they do. It's like they're walking toward a busy highway and we yank them back, right? Every chance we yank them back and we yank them back and they grow to be young adults and we try to yank them back but they've become stronger than we are. So now all we're doing is kind of pulling their hair and they want to be free and you can't stop them. What about a God who could stop you? What about a God who could not only stop you, he could mess with your head so that you didn't even realize that he had stopped you. Wipe some stuff out of your memory. Here's the amazing truth that Paul is getting to. God not only loves you, he chooses to define love with the embedded ingredient of freedom. He says, my love is only love if you get to reject me. And so from the beginning of humanity, we've had the power to reject God. And today, you have the power to reject God. Now, let's not play games. Just because you're sitting here doesn't mean you're not rejecting God. It doesn't mean I'm, you've got the power deep inside. Right now, yesterday, tomorrow, you get to choose. And it is one of the central things we long for. And the world suggests you follow Jesus and you're becoming trapped. And I want to say to you, it's the only way to be free. You know, interestingly, this little word, wrath, orge in Greek, comes from um, commercial terminology, from commercial interaction, where there'd be a contract between two parties. You pay this, you get this. You do this, you receive this. But the, the word wrath, the or, that was the opposite side of the contract. Because you, you fulfill the contract, here's the result. But what if, you, what if you break the contract? Well, then here's the result. Orge. So wrath is the fulfillment of the contract if you choose to break it. Or in the Bible's words, salvation comes to those who choose Christ. What happens with those who walk away? Well, Paul goes on in Romans chapter two. He said that this way, because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. That's a weird tricky thing because it seems like, okay, so wrath is a thing here. Now I'm storing wrath and God has wrath. So now in Revelation 14, which wrath, what? No, no, you see, me acting on it and his acting on it, it's a, it's a contract between two parties. And the contract says, if you choose salvation, he gives it. And if you choose to walk away, he gives it. Hmm. This verse goes on. God will give to each person according to what he has done. God is the stable piece in this story. He loves you. He has died for you. He will forgive you. And he will let you turn your back on all those good things. Wow. Now, by the way, doing this on our own, just walking off from him, well Paul puts it this way. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God without Jesus you 're nothing we can't we 're dead by the way, in Genesis three as Eve is parroting back what she heard Jesus say she says, well, what he did say is if we if we touch this fruit if we eat this fruit we will surely die God says, look you dabble in sin it is have you look let me tell you a little bit about what 's in there it's it's Problematic, it's stanky, it's curdled buttermilk horror. Were oh, you wanting? You raised your hand like you wanted some? No? Okay. It, it's, it's the kind of stuff that if you put it in you, it tries to come right back out. It's a problem. And without Jesus, this is what you have. Because every one of us falls short. It's not just that. The the falling short is a it's a death sentence. Jesus says it. Look, look, here's the thing. Left to yourself, you're going to die. You need a savior. You need Jesus. You need forgiveness. You need salvation. And let me just say it: you need some way to get rid of the Oppenheimer without drinking it. That's what you need. Some of us would say, wait, I, I, I mean, seriously, though. Have you, have you watched me, paid attention to me? I'm, I'm pretty, I mean, I used to have more troubles, but I'm pretty good now. And the Bible will say, your best is filth. We're in trouble. Hey, look, even Nestle's quick in here. C- can't save it. Even that selfless moment, even my treating my wife well even my being a good dad, it's still floating in a sea of brokenness, of sin, of filth. It's not going to say, I can't do it. So interestingly, the New Testament uses this very metaphor, the metaphor of a cup. Do you remember Jesus as he's going to the cross? He is, he is pleading with his father, <laughs> bleeding out of his pores. He will die the next day. And as he prays on the ground, he says this. You know, going further, he asks that it be possible that he be spared from this situation. Think about that. The God who, who chose this, who knew what it, where it was all headed, he gets right up next to it. Look, so seriously, for some of you, you might think this is a cool idea. That you would just take it. Let's, let me get one of these. Let me try. It. Hey, I can drink it. And then, and you, but you get up close. You get up. You get up close. It's not good. It's not. No. And Jesus peers over the edge of the cup that you made, of the cup that I made, and he says, "This, buff, Dad, look. Everything's possible for you. I just want to check back in before we do this. Is there any other way? I mean, have you seen?" Have you smelled? Is there any other way? Otherwise, if you, could just, if you could just take this cup. Some moments later, Jesus will be in that same garden, and a crowd will surround him, and they're tying up his hands, and Peter decides, this is my moment. Whips out a sword and casts it like a fishing rod. Boom, and off goes somebody's ear. And Jesus turns to him, And he says, look, Peter, shall I not drink your cup? Your only way is for me to drink your cup and for me to give you mine. Did it ring in their ears? Hour or two before, maybe three, around a table, passover being celebrated and turned into a communion and jesus raises a cup and says this this cup is the cup of my promises to you and let me tell you about my promise my promise to you is that i will trade you cups i will drink yours and i will give you mine do you remember what he said from this moment forward, I will only drink your stanky Oppenheimer. I won't drink from my cup again until you're safe. Ah, oh, wow. You know, you would wonder, but what if we could see what happens if somebody would drink something this awful, right? What do you think? Should I drink this? This young man right here. Should I, should I drink it? Yeah, there's always one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Let's see what happens. Let's see, let's see you, wretch. Hey, look, if you just vomit toward the guitars, that'll be fine. No, no, we can see it. We see it in Scripture. What happens when my cup is drunk? Full on. It's at the cross. Notice what happens. Jesus has said, I'm going to take this terrible cup. I'm going to drink this cup. I'm giving my cup to them. I will drink again from that when we're all safe, but I'm going to drink their cup. And what do we see happening? Does, does God rush down and slap his son around and maybe strangle his, you know, beat him up? Like, uh, no. Here's what happens. Like Paul says, God, uh, in, in the tragedy of that moment, God lets Jesus, go. You'll hear it in his words. My God, my God, I can feel you letting me go. And how does that go? You know, Roman soldiers will come up a little bit later to just end his life, make sure it's over, but it's already already over. Unpredictably, beyond what you should expect, He has imploded from the inside out because he drank my cup. Because he drank your cup. Now here's the crazy part. He drank your cup and will let you still have it. Some of us are going, hey man, look, I am free. You want me to prove it? I will kill myself with this cup. And you have the opportunity to do that. But I so recommend... That you let Jesus take the filth, the heartache, and the struggle from your life. See, God, we say it, God is love. And when you think about it, you know, I mean, goodness. (laughs) Leaning over the back fence, uh, so Roger, had a little something to tell you. Um, Reminded by your barbecue smoke, uh, I thought I'd just mention the torment. Sulfur, actually. You know what the message is? There's a God who loves you so much, he will die your death and still let you go. You will never, ever, ever be more free than in the arms of God. I don't think I could do it. If I had the power... Hold on to my children and make them do so. I, I, I struggle with that. But don't you think, though, if there is coming a moment when, you know what, whichever cup you're holding, that's the one. Now you get, that's your cup. Don't, don't you think he would want to warn Roger? <laughs> don't you think he would pick somebody and say, hey, 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 could you go tell people that they don't have forever? And we might be trying to think of like some prophecy in some far-fetched time, and let's say 2024. It could happen leaving church today with a wayward car or a doctor's proclamation over your life or something that's been going on in my body that I had no idea about. I don't have time to play around. He shed his blood for you and don't play church either please coming and singing and leaving and playing and teaching and and acting right but not taking his cup take his cup and let go of yours and he will save you Because if the sun sets you free, it's really the only way you will ever be free. So I proclaim over your life freedom. Yeah. Freedom to live, really live because of Jesus Christ and freedom to die out of your own stubbornness. But don't be confused. You don't have forever to decide. So don't leave this room. Without saying it to Jesus now, I take your cup. Thank you for joining us for this teaching. Consider hitting the subscribe button to stay tuned for next week. If you'd like to support Crosswalk Chattanooga, go to crosswalkvillage.com slash chattanooga and click the Give button at the far right of the ribbon at the top. Notice the Campus drop-down menu and select Chattanooga. And if you'd like to come and worship with us on a Saturday morning, we would love that. When you do, please say hi to me. I'd love to learn your name.